So it's excellent. Hey, last week, Sue and I shared with you some of the, the values, if you like, that are foundational to who we are and uh, what, it me- what makes us really us. And uh, so if you missed out on those, I'd really encourage you to grab hold of the uh, our core value booklet at the uh, information desk and also encourage you, if you haven't listened to it or heard it, that if you go online and listen to our, our podcast from last week as well and it gives a little bit more detail and just kind of talks about, I guess, some of the foundational things as we move forward. And over the last few months, I've just made a few comments about what I feel the Lord has in store for us in 2017. Some of you would have had an awesome 2016, no doubt. Cool, there you go. Good on you, Penny. Nice to have you back, see you after all those long holidays. It's awesome. Come on. But you know what? I reckon 2017 is going to be better. Yeah, Yeah, come on. Because God's plan for our lives is always from glory to glory to glory. So this year is going to be much better than last year, and uh, I'm, I'm just so looking forward to it. It's going to be wonderful. You know, I don't know if you've ever had anyone come to you and say, hey, listen, I just had the time of my life. You know, maybe they've been out somewhere, and they've come back, and they're telling you about uh, somewhere where they've been, and they say, man, look, it was, just, it was just the best thing I've ever had is the time of my life. Well, over, over the Christmas period while I was praying about 2017 and just what we had coming up, I really felt God say to, us, say to me that this was going to be the year of our life. And I thought, wow, you know, that, that, you know it, it kind of sounds odd even grammatically. But, but really, let me, let me boil it down for you. And it's this, I believe that 2017 is going to be the most transformational time for our church and even for many of us as individuals. We're going to receive something good. 2017 is going to be the time of our lives, yeah? I mean, 2016 was good, but 2017 is going to be stellar. That's good. So I just want to share four kind of general things that we're going 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 after this year, um, this morning. So before I do that, let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Lord, I believe that everything you've been doing is just so great. And Father, I know that that's just going to keep going. And Lord, I know that this year you're going to increase as we come into this year. And Father, I, I ask you that every person would get a sense of excitement and anticipation for this year, God. I thank you for the plans and the purposes you have for us as a church and for us as individuals. Father, we know that you're a promise keeping God and that you're faithful for your promises. And we thank you for that. Amen. So let me ask you a question, begin by asking you a question. What are some of the key transformational moments in your life? Just take a few seconds to think about it. A transformational moment. I mean, for most Christians, it's a day that they gave their their hearts to the Lord. Some would say it's a moment they said, I do at their wedding. And really, when we think about it, life is full of transformational moments. Some are, are spiritual in nature. Some moments can be, some transformational moments can come in times of sorrow. They can come in times of joy and celebration and promotion. But every transformational moment that we have reveals something about God that transforms you in that moment. And I think that 2017 is going to be filled with transformational moments for you and I. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. This year, there, there are just going to be so many things, I believe, that are happening to us. But there are four kind of overriding um, things I want to share this morning. 
And, and we're going to have lots of things happening around these, but these are kind of the four sort of principles or, or foundations of what we want to move forward with. And so I want to just share these this morning with you. Can I have the pointer in case you know? Thank you. So I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles. Now, these are the gifts that Jesus Christ gave to the church. And notice what he's talking about there. He, he, he talks about people, but they're in fact, they're not people, but they're actually gifts, he says. They're gifts. They're building gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. And then it says, their responsibility is to, is to equip God's people to do his work. Notice here it says that they're not there to do God's work, but they're there to prepare us to do God's work. And build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in your faith, uh, sorry, in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clear that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will, speak, we will speak the truth and love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. You know, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly as, we do, as he does his special work in us and through us. And, and as we help other parts of the body, the whole body comes together and is healthy and growing. And there are four things in this piece of scripture this morning that I believe are, are key for us this year. The first one refers to leadership. Then it goes on to talk about knowing God's son or the knowledge of God or knowing God. Then it talks about maturity, that we'll be maturing in Christ or maturing in love. And then it ends with saying that as every part does its work, that's the work of God, the purposes of God, that really refers to mission. And so there are four things, leadership number one, number two is knowing God, number three is maturing in love, and number four is mission. And in 2017, these are things that we're going to focus on. So there's a lot of stuff around this, but these are kind of the general headings. And so the first thing I want to talk about this morning is leadership. Leadership. <laughs> you know, many people believe that leadership is reserved for just a certain group of people. Uh, and uh, I guess that really is, is the, the world's view. But, you know, the Bible understanding of leadership is very, very different. Most people would say that leadership is about title or about position. But really, leadership, when you look at it from the scriptural point of view, is about influence. Leadership is actually influence. You don't necessarily need to hold a position to lead people. I mean, you know this really, I mean, for all of us, probably the, the most common experience of this is our high school days. You know, whatever kind of group you hung around with, whether you were in the sporties or the, the geeks or the religious group or whatever you were in, the Christian group, you know, there was always someone, whether they, they, they weren't probably even the appointed leader, but when you're all hanging around going, yeah, what are we going to do? I don't know. Someone would say, hey, let's do this. And usually it would be the same person and go, oh, yeah, okay, it sounds great. There was a leader, an influencer. And so, it, so it's all about influence. Leadership is about influence. And I believe that the church is called to be influential. You know, Jesus in, chapter, in Matthew chapter 5 says this. He says, you, he's speaking to you and I, you are the salt of the earth. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I like salt, you know what I mean? And pour on that sodium, come on, you know. Oh, yeah, extra salt, please, that's me. I'm right there for the salt thing happening. Uh-huh. So you are the salt of the earth. But what good is the salt if it's lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You see, what Jesus is saying is that if salt loses its flavour, it's nothing more than white sand. It's just dust. And then he goes on to say, and you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone. To everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, Jesus is saying to us that we're salt. You are salt. You are light. And he's using descriptive words here that help us understand what your identity is. You see, because the amazing thing about salt and the amazing thing about light is they have one thing in common. They're both elements of influence. Elements of influence. And they're not, now listen to me, they, they are not as strategically placed as what we would think. I mean, when you put salt on your, on your plate, you don't take one grain and say, okay, that bit will go over there, and that bit over there, and whew, two bits here. And we don't do that. We just whack the salt on. Why? Because it, makes, it influences the whole flavor of the dish. You simply take it and you scatter it around. And it's the same with light. You see, light that's super focused in a, in a way ceases being, it becomes a, a laser. So in, in one sense, it's, it's not light any longer. Because what happens? Light spreads. You see, light spreads. And, and I think there's something about that for us as church. It's as we scatter. You see, we have people who live here who live in Blockhouse Bay, New Windsor, Teatitu, Henderson, Mangaree, the North Shore. As we scatter, this week we become more influential. In fact, I think we're more influential when we scatter than when we gather. And so Jesus says, you are the salt, you are the light. And, and, you know, the amazing thing is you may not see salt in the food, but you know it's there, right? You know it's present. And light, by its nature, is influential over darkness. If I walk into into this room with a box of darkness and open it up, what do you think is going to happen? The darkness is not going to spread. Oh, there it goes. It's not going to do that, is it? Darkness doesn't spread. The light goes in. If I was to walk into a, into a small dark room with a box of light in it and open up the box, what would happen? The darkness doesn't come in. The light goes out. And that is the way that God has designed light, and that is the way that he's designed his church, you and I. So Jesus is wanting us to understand the power of who we are. Listen, he says, I called you to be the salt of the earth and the light of this world. And every place you go, everyone you encounter, you are called to be an influence. And see, leadership in its essence is influence. In fact, John Maxwell, one of the the great leadership gurus, actually says that his definition is leadership is influence. And you might be thinking, yeah, well, okay, I can agree with that. But 
Trent, you don't know who I am and I don't influence anyone anywhere. Well, one of the areas that I want to tell you that, that you influence is in your own house. And if you are a parent or you're about to be a parent or you're planning in some time to be a parent, guess what? You're a leader because you are going to be leading your children. And don't ever, ever think that has no consequence. It's the most powerful influence you have been given. But every one of us is called to be influencers. See, it may be for your children. It may be for your organisation. It can be the person sitting right next to you. Sometimes we, we mistake quality and quantity. And we see big people on the news making big lots of noise and we think they're the significant leaders. But they're not always. I, there's a um, leadership um, uh, trainer, uh, teacher, I guess, I don't know what, he, what you call him, coach, called Patrick Lencioni, who is um, a leader that I, I respect and has been very influential. And he was asked one time, he said, he was asked, who is one of the greatest, he said, who are the greatest leaders in America, was the question asked to him. And he thought for a few moments, he said, I can't tell you. And they said, why, is it president, is it, is it the senate, is it, who is it? And they, he said, more than likely it's a teacher in a three-school-room three uh, school somewhere in the middle of America. But he said, that person is probably making more influence than anyone else. And I thought, wow, what a, what a really powerful thought. You know, so often we think, again, in terms of quantity rather than quality. Tomorrow, when you go into your workplace, you can go as an influencer by simply bringing words of encouragement and light to those around you. You are salt. You are light. It's so important that we understand that. So how do we get to grow as leaders? We get to grow as leaders by simply becoming disciples. You know, if you ever ask Kevin, and you'll probably get some of this next week, so I'm going to steal a little bit of his thunder. I have I keep, keep you around for some reason. You know, if you ask Kevin, if you say, Kevin, what's your life about? He says it's very simple. He says, in everything I do, I make disciples. I make disciples. And whenever we're talking in elders, his first question, his first statement is, we're here to make disciples. And his second question that he always asks us is, how's business? Our business is to make disciples and how's business. You see that, and I love that. And that's really what we're talking about here. Anything to do with family, Kevin has focused on the very single thing, the major way we grow in influence, and it's to become disciples, to become disciples, to grow in discipleship. And so each one of us, teaching people how to influence God, wherever God has called them to be, to be mature in faith, to become more and more qualified. You see, as we grow in our heart qualification to serve people, that is the number one way we become leaders. God is calling us, each one of us, to be influencers. The second thing I want to talk about is knowing God. Knowing God. Jeremiah 9 says, this is what the Lord says, don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their, their riches. Now, God's not saying any of those things are bad. He's not saying that, that having power or, or wisdom or, or richness are bad. He's just saying, don't make them the priority of your life. He says, there's actually something better. But if those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, 
they should both and truly that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. Now think about that, unfailing love. Now what does that look like? What does it look like? I mean, just think about that. Imagine a person who is like that, who shows these things in their life, unfailing love, who brings justice and righteousness, doesn't demand, but actually brings to people, supplies people with what they need, unfailing love, righteousness, justice. Let me ask you, do you think that kind of person could ever be in a bad mood? Do you think that that kind of person would be one who's on the edge of their seat just waiting to punish their people's sins? Do you think that kind of, that's the kind of person, or, or, or do you think that's the kind of person who believes in humanity and hopes for the best in everybody? See, uh, I think that we've got to really get hold of this whole idea of who God is like, what God is like. Because I think in all of creation, I think that God has been the most misunderstood and misrepresented person ever. And if the church does not make the knowledge of God its primary pursuit, and if we're not getting to know what Jesus is like, then we're missing the whole purpose of our existence. We simply become an echo of what someone else says. And I want you to know the privilege of it. Because it is a privilege. Even the angels covet the privilege that you and I have. You see, you've got to realize that, that in all of history, God was known as this, this removed a God that had to be appeased, that, that was so misrepresented. He was never known as a father. And then Jesus came to the earth. And his disciples looked at him and thought, man, there's something different about this guy. There's something that, that we can't, what's happening with him? And they come to him, and, and this is going to be a transformational moment for them. And they ask, Jesus, Jesus, you, you seem to have something special with God. Teach us how to pray. And, you know, Jesus' answer probably baffled them. Because you know what? It was actually blasphemy. But it was absolute truth. And Jesus turns and says, okay, when you pray, pray this. Our Father. Our Father. And in that moment, Jesus released the revelation of who God is that no one had ever known before. And guess what? You and I get to call him Father every single day. If that, honor, you know, just take our breath away. Father, Father, our Father. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing, our Father? And so we have this incredible opportunity to know him to move into this place of growing intimacy and relationship. Not to know him as this mysterious, far-off God, but as the very lover of your heart. The one who more than your spouse, more than your 
mother <laughs> wants the best for you, who is actively pursuing your destiny, who's wanting to be involved with you at every moment, our Father, our Father. We need to be on the search of, of what's he like. Not because he's hidden. No, no, no. He's so glorious. There's so much depth of who he is that every time we turn, we behold even more of him. And it just takes our breath away at how glorious he is. So one of the things that we want is to, to, to continue to search him out to be overwhelmed by him. And, you know, there are two ways that we really do this. The first one, obviously, is the word of God, the Bible. The secondly is, is the spirit, learning how to walk in the spirit. And, and quite frankly, this is, a little, this is where liberty kind of colors out of the lines a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It can kind of spook people a bit. Because, you know, you often find churches tend to focus on one thing or the other. They're kind of right into the word and it's strictly, that's what it says and that's it. Or they're a little bit more creative, shall we say. And with all the love and compassion, a little bit wackadoodle. You know what I'm saying? So we can kind of get those two kind of extremes happening. But I believe that all churches should actually be a balance are both the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And what does it look like to walk like that? Having your mind renewed but, and, and absolutely being transformed by the renewing of your mind, but also having transformational experiences like Paul on the Damascus Road when, when he is apprehended by Jesus and boom, he was changed in a second. See, it's not just enough to know about God. He's calling us into this intimate, deep, relational, personal relationship with him. So important. And, and it's not just about, oh, me and Jesus, at, you know, I'm just going to sing worship songs all day to Jesus. If you know the Father, then if you truly know the Father, you're going to be about doing the Father's business. You can't have one or the other. That it's the, not only the knowing of God, but it's also doing the works of God. It, they come hand in hand. And so for people, that's where it can get a little bit scary. Because all the great things that, that, that Jesus does, that we read about in the gospel. See, so many people love reading the gospels because they're really cool stories of all the neat things that Jesus does. But that's as far as it goes. But you know what? Jesus wants us to do those stories and greater. That's what he said. Hey, team, you're going to do greater works than me. He's calling us to an active life of walking in the power of the word and the spirit of God. You see, you know, the Bible is all true. And when Jesus walked on water, it wasn't ice. It wasn't a particularly cold day. It was really, really water. Because that's the kind of God we serve. You see, if you're going to be a believer, you cannot be not supernatural. The words of Jesus demand that you become supernatural, that you do his works. And that can be pretty scary. But that's what he calls us to. 
Now, I'm not meaning that we need to all, you know, walk on water or try to walk, although I, know, I do know some of our church have tried to walk on water. I have this theory if you go really fast, it might work, but it hasn't worked so far, but I'm working on it, okay? I'm not talking about that. What I'm just talking about is realising the great encounters that are wait, waiting for us. And it comes out of expectation. How did you come to church this morning? Not in a car, okay? I know that part, or walk. What I'm saying is, what was in your heart when you came in here this morning? Did you come with expectation that you were going to meet God? Did you come with an expectation that you were going to get a word of prophecy? Did you come with an expectation that you were going to get healed? Or did you just kind of truck on in here, kind of, uh, you know, got to do this thing because I got to, you know, that's what I do because I'm a Jesus person. <laughs> you know? What was your expectation? Because God will meet you at your expectation. You know, when you get a prophetic word, that prophetic word in and of itself has got a power in it. If you get prophesied over, you don't kind of sit back and say, oh, yeah, well, let's see if that's going to happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I'll see. Because <laughs> that's not how it works. When you get a prophetic word, you take it. And you may not understand it, but you put it into your heart and your father... You know, unless, yeah, you judge the word, prophetic word first, obviously, and it's all that kind of stuff. But once you know that this is of God, you take it hold and you feed it, you put it in your heart, you write it out, you, you thank God, you begin to pray into it, you begin to believe it, you begin to think like it's happening. And beginning to live in that, because then you're positioning yourself, you're aligning yourself with heaven. And that's when it can happen. You want to see breakthrough in your life? Align yourself with the word of God. You want to see and know the presence of God. Align yourself with what he's doing. See, God's here. God's here. God's here. And he's doing things. Just waiting now if I've got time to give a couple of prophecies on that. No, I don't think I have. So if, you, if you're sick this morning, ha ha, you're going to miss out. If you're sick this morning, <laughs> I had a really good one for one person, but anyhow. If you're sick this morning, just what I said, put your hand on that part of the body right now. Just right now, wherever it is. Father, and I just, Lord, we come with expectation this morning. Father, we come. We know your word says that you are the healer. That, you, that the cross has paid for every infirmity and brokenness. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing. Over that area right now, doesn't matter what it is, how bad it is, we know that you can bring healing and grace. And we speak that in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you, Father. Right now, we just release that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Actually, is there, yeah, is there a Ruth here? First or second name, Ruth. What? <laughs> Didn't even think of that one. <laughs> oh, that makes it a bit difficult then. Well, no, no, it's a good word. Just feel a bit... Eh. Is there another roof? Oh, there's another roof over here? Cool. 
I'll give it both to both of you, actually. It's just I really feel that this year there's like it's a, a door going, that there's a, um, there's a door before you, and it's, it's not been a bad door or anything like that. It's just there's a door. I, it's, it's into this new year that you're going to go through, and God has given you a key, and as you go through it, there's going to be a new level of, um, well, the word I had was plunge, plunging into his presence. There's a new sense of where he is going to meet you in places that you don't anticipate um, and places that in some ways you've even put away. It's like you've put things away in a drawer and the Lord is, is opening the drawer and taking them back out and saying, now is the time to begin to look at these. And then there's also a sense of another picture I'm seeing is of like um, lunch bags. You're preparing lunch bags and lining them up on a table to give to people. And there's just a, a new level of impartation to minister hope. In those lunch bags there's hope and there's healing and there's destiny, and you're going to be a real you're going to be real carriers of that. That there's a uh, a new level of prophetic anointing on your life to speak hope, destiny, and impartation into people's lives. There you go. So bless you guys. And I'm going to really get it tonight when I get home. Aren't I? So anyhow. <laughs> Number three, <laughs> I think we'll just move on. Maturing in love. Maturing in love. You know, the Bible says love is patient. Actually, I'm going to read this out. But as I read it out, every time I say love, I want you to read it with me, not necessarily out, but every time I say love, I want you to put your name in there instead of the word Love. So when I say love is patient and kind, you say John is patient and kind. Only if your name's John, okay? (laughs) Just kind of help you out on that one. So love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Love keeps no wrong of being, sorry, no record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Trent, love is always hopeful, and love endures through every circumstance. You see, that's exactly what maturity looks like. So I'd encourage you this week to each day, maybe, even twice a day, take those scriptures and read them out, put your name in them, and declare over yourself that this is what 2017 is going to be like for you. This is going to be descriptive of me in 2017. This is what I'm going to look like. You see, church, if we don't set ourselves up to mature in love, we might as well give up now. And, And my prayer is that in the heavenlies, Liberty will be known for one thing, and that's love. God, let us be known as a loving people, that we love people well. It goes on to say that when I was a child, I spoke and thought as a child, but when I grew up, I put childish things away. You know, love looks like something. It's a verb. It's a doing word. It's all about doing word. Love does. Love does. Finally, let's talk about mission. 
Psalm 96.3 says, Take the news of his glory to the lost. Take the news of his wonders to one and all. Isn't that a great scripture? You know, you and I were born to make a difference. We were born to make a difference. You weren't born just to suck air, make money and die. (laughs) You were born for more than that. Facts say that. So I was made for more. Go on. I was made for more. You were made for so much more. You know, I really believe it. I can't say it enough. You know, when I hang out with some of you guys, you know, I, I, I actually say to myself, I hope when this God person steps into their destiny, they'll remember me. That they'll remember that somewhere along their journey, They knew a guy called Trent who said one or two things that were helpful. A couple of years ago, I was talking to a person, and as we were talking, this person said to me, you know, one of the things I do, I love to do most is to pray for people. And man, that just, when people say that to me, it just spins my dials. Because you see, you know, I love people who are intercessors and prayer warriors because no one gets to see the hard work they do It's all hidden. It's all behind closed doors. But I believe they have such a tremendous reward in heaven. And this this woman's like that. It's one of the greatest ways to show love is to pray for people. And when you pray for them, God can do for them what they can't do for themselves. So this person looked at me and and, said, one of my favorite things to do is to pray for people. I tell you, I, I felt automatically just so loved. It's so, so incredibly awesome that we see that. And this person said to me, what was your dream? what's your dream? What can I pray for you? Tell me your dream. I want to pray for it. And as I sat across from this person, I became speechless because when I closed my eyes about my dreams, it was your faces that came to my mind. You know, and I think of Craig and what he wants to accomplish in his life, and I want to be there when he does. Or Micah, I want to be there when he accomplishes in his life the things that are on his heart. I want to be there. Jono, I know that he's been wanting things, and I want to be there when it comes to pass. And and honestly, I just realized that so many of my dreams were actually for you guys. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing super right with it either. I just didn't know I was in that place at the time. And it really is because I believe in you guys. I really believe that when I stand up here from week to week, I really believe that I'm standing in front of a group of people who were created to make a difference. But see, some of us have grown up in environments where we've, never, where we've allowed voices, other voices to define who we are. You know, every five-year-old thinks they're creative. You give them a crown and you say, draw a picture, man, they go to it. Draw me something. Yep, they're away. Go to a 32-year-old and give them a crown and say, draw me something, and they'll say, no, look, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm not creative or artistic. Because that five-year-old allowed someone to speak negativity into their lives somewhere along the line, and they lost the dream of what God had put in them. They'd allow someone to say, this is who you are. 
This is who you're not. And God wants to draw you and me into a relationship where he breaks off the influence of other voices that have spoken negatively into your life. And he wants to set us, you and me, free to dream once again. Big dreams. Oh, so big dreams. So we will come to the realization that we've always been destined to make a difference. I love it when people get together with a sense of destiny to make a difference. You know, I want this church to be the kind of church that's actively involved in making a difference in those lives around them. Even when our, and when our world may be falling apart, that's okay. Jesus is still going to give us grace in our pain and he'll give us abundant grace for those around us. You know, we are never in a place where we can't give sacrificially. Never in that place. So it's a short, short glimpse, if you like, of some of the things that are going to be fo- we're going to be focusing on this year. Mighty things. And I believe that better days are ahead of us. Yeah? So there's two things I want to do this morning. First, I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to pray a blessing on each one of you. And then we're going to actually, the kids are all standing up there getting ready. You can bring them in if you like, Helen. Hey, why don't, actually, just before that, as they come in, why don't we just welcome our little Lise. We have an amazing, actually, Helen, can you just quickly stand up? This is our children's pastor. She is the most amazing, dedicated, radically insane lover of Jesus. (laughs) Who is really got one attribute that I love. She's always willing to get whacked on the Holy Ghost. (laughs) It's a pretty good criteria. Pardon? Oh, she's got more than one attribute I like, but yeah, that's a winner. Probably two, two and a half. No, no, a lot more. (laughs) So that's good. So yeah, so what we want to do is I just want to, I want to pray a blessing over you. And the little, these guys have joined us because this morning we're also going to commission as a church, Joel and Miller's youth pastors. So it's got to be good, yeah? Come on. So can I ask you all to stand your feet, church, please? You guys can stay if you like. Or if you, want to, you want to stand? Okay. I want to ask you, why don't you just put your hand, if you would, on your chest. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. Father, I thank you for the city that you've called us to, the nation that you've called us to. And Lord, I pray that this year will be a year of purposeful living, sacrificial giving, and intentional loving. 
that this will be a year where we get to know you more and make you known more to the world around us. Father, I pray a blessing upon every individual in this house that this may indeed be the year of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, come on. That's cool. Please take your seats.